I've got to admit, um, I've been in two minds today because I knew lots of people were away and uh, I've not wanted to do this talk with people away. I've wanted to do this talk when everybody's here because I think this is a really important talk, but I'm going to do it anyway. Because you're here. (laughs) But I want you to know my heart. I think this is just such an incredibly important series that we're doing at the moment. And uh, I want everybody to catch what's in God's heart for us as a church, as we look at identity. Who was I? Who am I? And who can I be? Because, you know, having a clear sense of identity is absolutely crucial if we're going to understand anything of what God has done for us. If we're going to understand His the position that we have in him which is why we're spending uh, so much time just looking at the different factors or the distinguishing aspects of that identity. So it's like, well, I've I've brought something with me today, a little visual aid. This is my passport, and I happily pass it around if you want to have a look. Uh, But this is my UK passport. This shows that I am a citizen of the United Kingdom, and it's my proof of identity. It says where I was born, it's got my full name, it's where I'm from, dependence, any distinguishing features. All these things can be found out just by putting it through a computer, and it brings up all this background information. And it's even got a rather dubious photo of me here, which I look a bit like a monster. Uh, I don't know quite why that happened, but you're welcome to have a look at that a bit later if you can get it out of my back pocket. But it's my proof of identity. It's my identity as a UK citizen, and kind of what that's what we've been doing over the last few weeks. We've been looking at the constituent parts of our identity in Christ that together make up who we are now as Christians. You know, we need to know things like, we are in Christ that we are completely identified with him. That's where our identity is. It's because of what he's done. We no longer have the past that we had. We no longer have the future that we had. We have a new past and a new future in Christ. We are sons of God. We've got a new inheritance, no longer slaves, heirs of God. He provides our parentage. And we are royalty, as we were seeing last week. We've been brought into this new family. This is where we get our family name from. Members of God's household related by blood. But this week we get to define our country of origin. Because as we were seeing last week, before Christ we were stateless refugees, but now our citizenship has been ratified in the new kingdom. We have a new passport issued by God, and it says across the front, heavenly citizens. And that's what I want us to get our hands on today. And I'm just going to pray and ask God to help us to understand this, because what I'm going to teach you today is out of this world. We cannot get our minds around this. It's not earthly thinking, it's heavenly thinking that we need to get to grips with today. So Lord... I ask you to help us. 
would you just come now and open our understanding? I pray, Lord, that even as we sit here listening to this message, that we would sit in heavenly places. I pray, Lord Jesus, for a sense of heaven to surround us, to encompass us, even now, Lord. I pray your presence would just come increasingly as we talk about what it means to be sat in heavenly places, heavenly citizens in Christ. Amen. Praise God. I'm just going to read to you, first of all, from the passage, because we are, this study is kind of working through, if I can make that work, working through uh, Ephesians. Try again. Working through Ephesians, and we're in Ephesians chapter 2 at the moment, and I'm going to read verses 1 to 10, okay? Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 to 10. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath, but because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It's by grace you've been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it's by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It's a gift of God, not by work so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Praise God. This is how we got our citizenship in heaven. This is the brief description. There's three things that Paul says here. In verse 1 he says that we were dead. We were dead in our transgressions and sins. That's where we came from. That's how we lived. And that's where we lived. That's our original country. Dead. All right? But we were raised. Verse 4 says, we were raised, we were made alive with Christ. That's what happened when we believe. This is our recreation, it's our new birth, it's our adoption to sonship and the family of God that we've been looking at over the last few weeks. But then something further that Paul says, he says that we were not only raised... We were raised pretty high because it says that we were seated with him in heavenly realms, verse 6. We were dead, we were raised, and now we're seated. I mean, that's just so far apart from where we were, isn't it? We were dead, and now we're raised, and now we're in heavenly places, seated with Christ. And did you notice that it's all past tense? It's already happened. This happened before when we believed. It's already been done, and this has been done by God, and where, according to Paul, that's where we now are. That's our current position, seated in heavenly places with Christ. It's just amazing. There's nothing that we need to do about it either. So there isn't going to be something from the talk today that I've got to go home and work out and do. I'm telling you what has actually already been done. 
God has already done this for us. So there's nothing for you need to do. We just need to believe it. Okay, we just need to believe it. We just need to realize it. And then we need to thank him for the rest of eternity. But it's the realizing bit that we struggle with, isn't it? Because we don't quite, we can't get our heads around this. We can't quite understand what it means. I mean, what does it mean for us? What about this new passport? What are my rights? You know, as a UK citizen, I have certain rights. Uh, when I go to different countries to be treated in a certain way, I have certain privileges, I have certain obligations. So what are they? What, what is in this new passport for us? So let's just start by looking, first of all, at our country of origin, our new country of origin, because these are the heavenly realms. Now, what, do that, what does that mean? What are the heavenly realms? Well, they're, part, they're that part of the, that the Jewish world would have known as the third heaven. Well, that doesn't help very much, sorry. It's the third heaven. The first heaven is the heavens that we see now. It's the sky. It's the atmosphere. It's where the birds fly. It's where the clouds are. Okay, and we know what clouds are. We're English. So that's the first heaven. The second heaven is beyond that. It's the universe. It's the stars. It's the moon. It's the sun. It's all that's out there. The third heaven is beyond that in the Jewish mind. It's the place where God is, and it's where we are now seated in the third heaven. Whoa. See, heaven is not just a future place where we go when we die. You know, you say, well, I thought heaven was where I go when I die. No, it's not just a future place, because in the past tense we can see I've already been seated there. I've already got my place there, sat next to Jesus, already. That's what the Bible teaches. And someone has calculated that of the 286 references to heaven in the New Testament, only two of them relate to heaven as a future place. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that weird? Why haven't I heard about all these other ones? 284 references are about heaven as the place we're in now. And of course it is a place that we go to when we die. We realize it literally. But the point is that we dwell there from the day that we're born again. That's where God has put us. There's nowhere safer than that, guys. There's no more more wonderful than that than seated with Christ. N.T. Wright says, Heaven is not a future destiny, but the other hidden dimension of our life. The other hidden dimension of our life, God's dimension, if you like. And it's like we're here on a visa from heaven. But this is no longer our domicile. It's no longer our permanent home. Our citizenship is now in heaven. And so that means, that means that we're foreigners here. Have you ever felt, Christian, that you don't quite fit in? Have you ever felt, I don't quite belong here? Have you ever felt that longing to be somewhere else? Yeah, you're not meant to. <laughs> you're not meant to feel at home here. You're foreigners here. You're not meant to. You're from another place. And we're here to extend the kingdom. That's what we're meant to be doing, to build the church, to heal the sick and cast out demons. That's what we're here to do. But we do all these things from our position seated with Christ in the heavenly realms. 
as heavenly citizens. And this is important to keep in mind because our place of operation has changed. We do it from heavenly places. We function now from heavenly places. We have a different country. Now, this is a massive subject. And um, the kingdom of God and all that kind of... I'm not going to be able to do justice to it in one talk. But what I want to do is to give you some hints of what this means by looking at five different statements reasonably quickly uh, that Paul makes about these heavenly realms and their function that run through the book of Ephesians. And I've already mentioned the first one. And the first one is, is to do with where we're seated, okay? The first one is seated with him in the heavenly realms. That's its function. That's the place where we are now, Ephesians 2.6. So let's look at the other four. Because the second one is this. These heavenly realms are a place of spiritual blessing for us. So if you look at Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3, we're going to look at a number of verses today, but they're all in the same book, so they won't be difficult to follow. So Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3, it says this, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. We're blessed. We're blessed with every spiritual blessing, every blessing that we could ever need because of Christ. That sounds great, doesn't it? But what does it mean? What are these spiritual blessings? We've had a bit of speculation in our life group what some of those things might be. Well, there are loads of spiritual blessings that are offered to us through Jesus Christ. But I'm just going to point out some of the obvious ones right now. Firstly, the first spiritual and most important spiritual blessing is that we are now in relationship with the Father and we're born again. We have a place with God. We are in a place of eternal security, eternal safety with God, seated there in heavenly places with Christ, eternal security. Secondly, our sins have been forgiven. Isn't that a wonderful thing? Our sins, every sin you will ever commit is also forgiven. Our sins are forgiven. That's a blessing. And also there is a power to overcome sin. We are no longer a victim of sin. Sin is no longer our master. We are no longer slaves of sin. That's a blessing. (laughs) Do you know what? You can cheer if you like. Thirdly, we are filled with the Holy Spirit. That's a blessing. We're filled with the Spirit and we have been given spiritual gifts so that we can build one another up. That's an amazing blessing. How many people have been encouraged by somebody else in the church at any time? Isn't that a blessing? That there are people who love us and want to build us up using spiritual gifts. We have protection from demonic attack and threats. That's not available to a non-Christian. I remember praying with somebody a few years ago for healing, and he wasn't a Christian. And I said to him, I'll pray for you, but do you know, if you don't become a Christian, I can't guarantee that you will keep your healing. And so the next time I went to that place, he says, I was better for a long time and then I got ill again. I said, well, you need to come to Jesus. He says, but I'm a Muslim. I said, you still need to come to Jesus. 
We are protected from demonic attack. That's a blessing. We have authority in Christ and he flees. (laughs) We're brought into an intimate relationship with God and we're able to worship him. You know, we take it for granted that we can come together like this and just worship God. We take it for granted. Can you imagine not being able to do that? It's a blessing to be able to worship God. What else? I mean, I could speak of love, (laughs) the love of God, the revelation of that love. I could speak of joy. I could speak of peace. I could speak of the knowledge of the grace of God. I was just impacted this afternoon by the, 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 the theme that was running through of the grace of God. And I was just thinking about grace. That's going to take ages, the ages to come to be able to even begin to understand the grace in God's treasure trove for us. We have freedom from fear. That's a blessing provision for our needs, and so on, and so on. All spiritual blessings are available to us as Christians in this place where we are seated. And we can and we will communicate from this place these blessings to others. Did you know that? Because of where you're seated. You know, if you come from a foreign country and you meet other people, they recognize there's something different about you. They get something of your foreign country that comes with you. And we communicate things from our country. And we bring them into every situation in our lives. And often it will happen without us even realizing it. I was talk- we were talking about this this week in our life group because I remember years ago when in the company I was working for there was lots of redundancies going on. And I don't know if you've ever been in a company like that, but the atmosphere in that place is just terrible. It's just a feeling of threat and fear. It's so palpable and so tangible. And during that time, one of the directors of the company came to me and he said he thanked me for the calming effect that my presence seemed to have on those around me. And, do you know, I, I was not aware of that. I just wasn't aware of the fact that apparently I, I kind of helped people just calm down around me. There was something about my presence that was helpful. I wasn't aware of it. But it was because I knew where I was seated, and I know that I was at peace. Even though I was one of the people being made redundant, I was at peace in my heart about it. These blessings are communicated to others and we must consciously do that and be that. But it will also happen unconsciously. And because we're seated in heaven, we can access the benefits of heaven. We can draw them down at any time for one another, for ourselves, in our workplaces, in our families, and so on. We can change atmospheres today by bringing that atmosphere of heaven, carrying that with us. And I would love to be able to do that for you today. If you're struggling and you think, I need some of those spiritual blessings, I'd love to pray for you at the end. We'll pray that God downloads some of those spiritual blessings. You, I need some peace, or I need some joy, or I need to know the love of God. There are many benefits in being a heavenly citizen. So that's the first thing, spiritual blessing. The second thing is this, although we're on number three actually, it's a place of authority. These heavenly realms are a place of authority. 
And just think about where it is that we're actually seated with Jesus. Just think about where it is. If you turn to Ephesians again, chapter 1, look at the second part of verse 20. Let me read this to you. Ephesians 1, 20. God raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every title that can be given, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church. That's pretty wide and encompassing, don't you think? Jesus' power and authority is far above all. That means every power and every authority. And his power is for all time. It's not just for today, yesterday. It's for all time. That's pretty long. Um, God has placed all things under his feet. Everything is under his feet. He's been appointed to be head over everything for the church. That's quite a lot, everything. And we are in Christ, seated with him in that place. Over everything. So how far are we above? So what are we far above? Everything. For how long? For always. So what is under our feet? In Christ. Everything. You were struggling to follow there. <laughs> Basically, in Christ, everything's under our feet. And I, do you know, I don't actually understand that. I don't understand how that's possible. I don't, I can't get my mind to kind of grasp what that means. But wow! <laughs> that's what the Bible says. So how big is that mountain that's blocking your way at the moment? Well, it's under your feet. How strong is that fear that you've been living with? You're far above all. How powerful is the devil that you've been battling? We are far above all. Far above all. I'm only telling you what the Bible says. (laughs) The difficulty is that we can become unseated by our problems, can't we? We can become unseated. And in those times, our mountains seem bigger than our God. Have you ever experienced that? Mountains are bigger than our God. Our difficulties can be bigger than our faith and our circumstances more overwhelming than our feet under which those things are meant to stay. But we maintain our position by faith. God has already done it. We don't have to do anything. We just have to believe. It's not by how we feel, but it's by what he's done. It's not by how we feel. It's about what he says about us. And these sinking times that we all experience are always identity issues. 
Paul says here that Jesus is head over everything for the church. Verse 22. That's for you. That's for the people of God. Head over everything. This never changes. Jesus never moves from his throne. Nothing can challenge his position. And this is where you belong to. And so if for some reason you've become unseated, then you just simply need to take your place again. You need to repent and you need to take your place again. You see, the enemy will try to unseat you. He will try to unseat the church. He'll try to make us downtrodden. Why? Because if we lose our authority in the position that we have with Christ, then the threat to his kingdom is diminished. So he will try to unseat you. Because the reality is that the heavenly realms are a place of authority from which we're to live and to operate from. It's from this place that we're to love others. From this place. It's from this place we're to bring peace. It's from this place that we pray for the sick, cast out demons, and release joy in all circumstances. From this place. Don't be unseated. A couple of weeks ago, I was uh, speaking at Alpha. I'm sorry, have I told you this? I don't think I have. I was speaking at Alpha, nothing to do with healing, nothing, nothing to do. But for some reason, I told lots of stories about healing anyway. And uh, at the end of the talk, uh, I was trying to leave quietly at the back uh, when they asked me to come back in and pray for somebody. And there was somebody there that evening who wasn't a Christian, and uh, she had a hernia, and it was bulging out the side here. And she said, um, it's just the pain. It's the pain, the pain, the pain. She said, I've had it operated on. There's nothing they can do for it now. They've operated too many times and it can't be done again. The only thing they can do is to put some kind of, anyway, do you want this detail? Some kind of gauze stuff on it and then it grows over. And that, she says, but I've got a heart condition so they can't do that operation. So if God could just do something about the pain, I said, don't limit him. Don't limit God. You have no idea what he can do. He could give you a brand new hernia, because I come from a heavenly realm, you see. He could give you a brand new hernia. She says, oh, okay. So I said, is it okay if I ask for that? I said, okay, put your hand on your side like that. I'll put my hand on it. Husband, is that okay to put my hand? Yes. So I prayed, and within seconds, I felt movement under my hand. And I stopped and I looked at her and her eyes were wide open like that. And I said, what just happened? She said, it moved. I said, really? Wow. Really? I said, does it hurt anymore? She said, no, it's soft. Now, if you know anything about hernias, that's amazing. Uh, A week later, Darren followed her up and she said that for the rest of that week, she's been completely without pain. And it's gone. She just can't explain it. It's completely gone. So come on, let's thank God. Guys, we have authority to, to operate from the heavenly realm where there is no sickness. We have authority to do that. But the enemy wants to unseat us. 
and rob us of that authority. We are seated in heaven and we have authority to bring blessings to earth, benefits and displays of that other kingdom. Don't be unseated. It's your right as a heavenly citizen to sit there with Christ. Fourthly, the heavenly realms are a place for the display of God's wisdom. That's Ephesians chapter 3. Just turn to that, Ephesians chapter 3, verses 10 and 11. It says this, His intent was that now through the church, uh, is there any church here? Okay, all right. Through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms, according to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. Made known to the rulers and authorities in heavenly realms, according to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus. You see, Jesus never intended us to keep these two worlds separate. You know, like a kind of heavenly part of us and an earthly part of us. One for Sunday and the other for the rest of the week. Never intended that. Otherwise, if that was true, what would have happened when we became Christians is straight away God would have taken us to heaven. But he never intended that. He intended us to be on earth. He intended that we continue to live out our lives here on earth like mini bits of heaven touching earth. And this is particularly true. It's true for us as individuals, but it's particularly true for the church. You see, the church is to be the ho- to the whole world and all spiritual realms the place of the demonstration of God's glory and wisdom through the saving power of the cross. That's why the church is here. It's to be a demonstration of God's wisdom and power on the earth. Church is meant to be a taste of heaven. It's the dwelling place of God on earth. And so when people encounter the church, they should encounter God and all that's in heaven because it is through the church. So, do you know, it doesn't surprise me when I hear of people encountering angels in our meetings. They're in heaven. We're a heavenly place, so. It doesn't surprise me when people feel joy when they're amongst us and they can't stop laughing. (laughs) Because in his presence, the Bible says, there's fullness of joy and we are the dwelling place of God on earth. It doesn't surprise me when people are healed amongst us. I'm surprised that more aren't. (laughs) Not the other way around. I'm not surprised when people are overwhelmed with peace or feel loved and accepted. That's what it should be. We should expect these things. That's what the church is all about. Amen? Amen. 
These are all parts of heaven that can be experienced here on earth through the church. That's my dream for church. The church must be a place of the demonstration of God's imminent presence and power, just like Jesus showed us. Just like Jesus. See, Matthew 9.35 says that Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom, and then healing every disease and sickness. Why did he do this? Because he was giving the world a foretaste of his kingdom. He was saying, look, this is where I'm from, and where I'm from, it's like this. Have some. (laughs) Amen? In heaven, Revelation 21 says, just in case you don't know what heaven's like, it says in heaven there will come a time when he will wipe away every tear from their eyes, that there will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. There'll come a point where it's complete. But in between that time, there are foretastes. And I don't know how many foretastes we can get here on earth. I don't know how much of heaven we can have on earth now. I don't know, but I'm really up for trying. Let's see how much of heaven we can get. It comes from knowing our identity, for being together heavenly citizens. We bring our country with us because we're heavenly citizens. Finally, the heavenly realms are a place of warfare. That's in Ephesians chapter 6. You might just want to turn to this. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12. Where Paul points out something to us, he says that our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but it's against rulers, against authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. How many people know this? How many people know that there are still some battles to be won? You know, how many people know that sometimes the Christian life can be difficult? How many people know that uh, there is a dark world out there? How many people know that these battles are not meant to be fought on earth, but in the heavenly realms? Um, you know, this is a, a really well-known passage, and we haven't got time to go through it all. Maybe we should do at some point, but... I just want to draw out one thing, really, and that is to ask you to think again about warfare, but from this context of our position in Christ. Remember where we're seated. Now we're going to talk about warfare. Remember where we're seated. Because I think warfare is one of the biggest challenges to our understanding of what it means to be a heavenly citizen. I think it's one of the most difficult areas for us to come to terms with. So often when we fight our battles, we do it from an earthly perspective, from an earthly position rather than from our true position in Christ. I mean, how many of us in times of crisis find ourselves praying up to God for help? Lord, down here, remember, 
Yeah, that's your perspective. That's your, your, your attitude rather than from a position of authority and blessing in heaven. How many times do we do it the wrong way around? Every time. Okay? If we're seated next to Jesus, just imagine it for a minute. Just imagine what it must mean to be sitting next to Jesus. Surely all we've got to do is lean over and say, Hey, Lord, that. Lean over into him. See, what I'm trying to say, and I know I'm only touching the surface of Ephesians 6 here, but what I'm trying to say is that Ephesians 6 doesn't work unless we understand the position that we're fighting from. You know, the battles that Paul describes are not earthly ones, but those that are taking place in the heavenly realms. So how can we fight them, let alone win them, unless we are operating in the same realm? You know, I'm just being logical. Because, you know, even with all our technological advances, in the end a soldier still needs to go to the country with which we're at war to fight it. And of course, I'm just going to throw a whole load of stuff at you, you're going to have to think about this. But of course it says in Revelations 12.10 that Satan has already been defeated in those realms. So it says here, uh, for the accuser of our brothers and sisters who accuses them before our God day and night has been hurled down. He's been hurled down. So if he's in those realms, he shouldn't be there. <laughs> he's illegal. Yeah? And so we need to fight these battles from our position with Christ, which as we've seen is a place of spiritual blessing, a place of authority, a place where everything is under our feet, a place of superior power because we're far above all rule and power. Have you considered fighting your battles from that place? If we truly understood this, then presumably... And I said I'm throwing a load of things at you, but presumably the battle for us would be less about fighting and more about enforcing the victory that's already been won. Yes, but then there is that need for armor and so on. So I'm not saying that there are still not battles to be had, just that the outcomes are more certain than perhaps we expect. Look, take this for example. In this passage, which we know so well, there's Paul's command to stand. Just take that one word for a minute. Stand. Paul says four times that we are to stand. We are to stand in our position. Stand. He says, put on the armor, number one, to stand against the devil's schemes, verse 11. He says, Put on your armor, number two, to stand your ground, and having done everything, stand, verse 13. He says to put on your armor, number three, stand firm, verse 14. Stand firm, stand, in your position. What's your position? Stand. Where have you been unseated from? 
stand. We are not primarily commanded to fight, but to stand. Do you get that? This word stand means with a sense of immobility. With a sense of immovability, that's the word. Know your position. Probably standing together, shoulder to shoulder, corporate standing. Know who we are together. It means to be established in a place, to be a place where my feet refuse to move. (laughs) Have you ever prayed like that? I'm not moving off this ground. We're having this. All sorts of exciting possibilities open up to us if we realize this. The reality is that we can only do this if we know where we're standing today and if we know what is under our feet. Where are you seated? Church, where are you seated? What's under your feet? Yeah. Where are you seated? Over all things, in heavenly places, with Christ, everything under his feet. Now then, Having maintained our position and got clear about that, we have one offensive weapon, which is the sword of the Spirit. That's what the armour describes, one offensive weapon. Now from that place of immovability and standing, from that secure position with Christ, we speak the word of God. And that's how we fight. That's what Paul tells us. And he says that the weapons of our warfare are mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds. This is how we can be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might, which it mentions in verse 10. We stand with Christ. And this is why we must pray in the Spirit on all occasions, verse 18, because we speak from our position in the heavenly realms with Christ, because that's what heavenly citizens do. Amen? So have you got your passport? Have you got your heavenly passport? How familiar are you with it? We need to be certain of our position in Christ because knowing what's in our passports unlocks incredible power, authority and opportunity for us. You know, our heavenly passports, Christians, have been issued and spelt out in gold letters across the front are the words, Kingdom of Heaven. We have a new country of domicile. And the good news is, it never expires. It never expires. It's good for eternity. So that's a passport worth having. We're heavenly citizens, seated with Christ in heavenly places. This is a place of tremendous blessing, authority, and the display of God's glory through the church. It's also a place of warfare, but it's a place from where battles are won. Amen? Praise God. Now what do we do? I just want to encourage you. Why don't we just stand? That's a good thing to do, isn't it? Having done all, stand. (laughs)
let's ask God to show us again. Let's just shut our eyes for a minute and just ask ask God again to show us where we're seated. Just let your imagination go wild. What does it mean to be seated with Christ in heavenly places? Some of you need, have been unseated. Just right now, just repent and say, Lord, I'm sorry, I take my seat again. That's all you need to do. Where are you seated? Why don't you, just in your imagination, just sit down there on the throne next to Jesus? <laughs> so I can't do that. Yes, you can. Seated with Christ in heavenly places. Now, I know it's hard, but in that place, why not take a look around? What can you see? Seated with Christ in heavenly places. It's a place of spiritual blessings. Do you need some peace, some love, some joy? you look around, that's, it's there. Just take it. Take some. Take what you need. Say, Lord, I need this. Just take it. Lord Jesus, we can imagine as much as we can, but Lord, we can't, it doesn't even enter into our minds. It's too amazing. We can't even begin. But Lord, take our puny imaginations. And Lord, would you take us into a new realm of discovery of what it means to be in Christ with you as heavenly citizens. Forgive us, Lord, for the times that we've been satisfied with less than that when we've prayed up to God and not realized that we were already next to Jesus. Open our eyes, Lord. Like Elisha's servant, Elisha lived in the heavenly realm and he could see all the angels around them and he wasn't afraid. But Elisha's servant's eyes were dull. Lord, we pray the prayer of Elisha for ourselves. Lord, open our eyes. Help us to see the wonders of your grace. Help us to see the wonders of heaven. And help us, Lord, to carry the atmosphere of heaven with us wherever we go. Father, so often we're so earthbound. Forgive us, Lord, we didn't know. (laughs) Lord, give us fresh understanding and revelation. And I pray for those that are warfaring at the moment. Lord, we stand with them. And Lord Jesus, we just ask for your victory. We ask you for many breakthroughs for people across this room right now. In the name of Jesus, 
Lord, we speak boldly with your authority. We say, let, let that which is in heaven be on earth. Let your order in heaven be known in our lives and in this church and in this town and in this region and in this country. Lord, for your name's sake.